how many of you uh, read the newsletter this past uh, Friday? We sent it out Friday. One person, two persons, three persons. Oh, well, what can I do? Uh, we'll suspend the newsletter until everyone reads this one. Well, one of the things uh, you read uh, in the newsletter is that our brother Deacon uh, Lee Mullins is going to be ordained a priest uh, in July of this, of this year, in just a few weeks, I would say, a couple of months. And right after that, he's leaving us uh, to move with his wife, Pawani, to Thailand, where he's going to be uh, planting churches over there and, and uh, being used by God over in Thailand and, and we're going to uh, pray with, for him and pray with him and, and perhaps if the Lord opens ways where he'll be just one more missionary that we support around the world. And the reason that I'm saying this is, Lee, I have a job for you before you leave, brother. I need you to train somebody on moving the podium. Um, <laughs> as you move there right now, I realize that when you leave, who's going to be moving the podium? So uh, we got to train uh, Father Bill or Father uh, Steve or, uh, or I'm going to have to move my own podium. Can you imagine that? Um, last Sunday we had a marvelous uh, Pentecost Sunday, wasn't it? Just uh, a fantastic time. Uh, two things blessed me a, a great deal uh, last Sunday. Um, one was, uh, for, for those of you that were not here, uh, we read the lessons of the day in multiple languages. Uh, the first lesson was read in, in Farsi, and it was read by Mariah. And the second lesson was read by uh, Barbara uh, Robinson, uh, Barbara Aguirre, Barbara Aguirre, uh, and she read it in one of the languages uh, of Nigeria, of one of the tribes in Nigeria. And I read the gospel in Spanish and, and in English. And Esther and Brainer sang a song in, in Tamal, uh, one of the languages uh, in India. And we had a guest that sang in Spanish. Wasn't it amazing? Uh, the, the thing that blessed me is that after each of the, of the lessons were read in different languages, in English, they said, this is the word of the Lord. And, and when they said, this is the word of the Lord, it just blessed me so much because it was the word of the Lord just in a different language for a different uh, group of people. And it was the word of the Lord. The second thing that blessed me was how beautiful the different languages were. I couldn't understand what they were saying, especially the ones not in Spanish. Uh, <laughs> or English, uh, but still, uh, it was so beautiful to hear the, the different languages. Uh, in, at the 8 o'clock service, uh, the first lesson was read in Spanish, and the second lesson was read in German. Uh, and uh, again, it, it's just beautiful to me to see how God calls people from all over the world with one word. One holy word that we're all supposed to live by and proclaim in all the different parts of the world. And some of our missionaries, our 10 missionaries that we're sending out in June, 
uh, will be going to minister in Spanish in Honduras. And, and we're looking forward to their return to tell us how that blessing uh, was for them. And afterwards, after uh, the service was done, we spent time praying for the Holy Spirit to come. And a number of people came forward. And we had a, just a marvelous time of seeing the Spirit of God manifest himself uh, in so many ways, in, in so many of our brothers and sisters, and, and look forward to hearing testimonies of what God the Holy Spirit is doing in other people's lives. This morning, however, uh, as I said at the beginning, we are uh, celebrating Trinity Sunday. One of those things that you hear about a lot, I'm sure all of you hear about the Trinity but if someone said to you, explain to me the Trinity, I wonder how many of you would be able to, to make sense out of the doctrine of the Trinity. Which, by the way, I would say to you that according to the doctrine of the church and according, for example, to the creed of St. Athanasius, unless you believe the Trinity, you are not a Christian. Not really. You can believe some of the tenets of Christianity, but unless you believe the Trinity, you are really not part of the Catholic Universal Christian Church. Okay, and that's one of the things that may differentiate us from other uh, religions that might call themselves Christians, but they really are not. Uh, and I don't mean to throw out names, but one, one of the things is the Mormons. The Mormons do not have a trinity. They have multiple gods. And the Jehovah Witnesses do not believe in the trinity. And I just, you know, I'm not going to criticize either of them. I'm just going to teach you today the Christian doctrine. How we get it, why we get it, and what is it all about. That's my job is to teach you not to criticize other religions. I just mention them to you because that's the way that it is. Uh, we spent a lot of time in, uh, during the year focusing on God, focusing on God the Father, focusing on God the Son, focusing on God the Holy Spirit, but most of the time we focus on them uh, individuals, as, as individuals. Um, and we know that there's no other God but God. There's no other God than Jehovah God, the God that has revealed himself, the Father of Jesus Christ. But today I'm not going to be talking about the uniqueness of God as much as I want to speak to you about the unity of God. The unity of the Godhead. Um, when we speak of, of God the Father, we say a number of things about the Father that we know, I mean, that, that are in Revelation. It's, they're in the Scriptures. One of them is we say that God is the creator. Amen? Amen? We know him to be the creator of all that has ever been created. In fact, one of the things that is important about the creation, that we understand that God created in what's called in, in, in the Hebrew ex nihilo, or, or Latin ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. Okay? And that has not been replicated by anyone anywhere at any time. You may have Dolly, you know, the little sheep that was cloned, but even that was cloned out of something already created. Nothing ever has been created out of zilch, 
out of nothing. God is the creator of all that is and will ever be in heaven and on earth, in the visible and in the invisible. Nothing exists that God did not create. It. Uh, however, though we claim God is creator, I want to make sure you understand that when God the Father is the creator, he didn't create it without Jesus or the Holy Spirit. That the Trinity was part of creation. In fact, the, the very first verses of the Bible are, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God hovered over the earth, over the creation. Uh, and God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man, meaning there's more than one creating and more than one person that shares that same image. When we read John chapter 1, which is in reference to Jesus, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and nothing that was ever created was created without Him. So Jesus was involved in the creation. So when we call God Creator, we are meaning God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in the process of creating all that's ever been created. We also speak of God uh, as relational. Because the fact is that we are in relation with a mighty God, not because we got a big telescope and found him behind Pluto. <laughs> the only reason we know anything about God is that God sought us out. God is a seeking God. God revealed himself to his creation and is involved with his creation. He's a relational God who wants a personal relationship with you and with me. He doesn't want to wind up the world, walk away, and let the winding go on until it runs out. He's a God that is involved, involved with us. We also speak of God as a covenantal God, a God who comes into agreements with us. A God who, the way I see it, reaches down from heaven and shakes hand with the creation. He says, I will be your God, you will be my people. And he calls a people to himself. He says, I will take care of you, I will bless you, I will lead you, I will take you to a promised land. I will do everything that a God should do for you, not like the gods of the Egyptians who were against you. I will be your God. And your job in this agreement, in this covenant, is that you will obey my word, you will be guided by my laws for your own good, and I will just tell you how you shall live and thus you shall do it. And when you deviate, I will deal with you. <laughs> That's just as simple as it is, because I will correct you so that you come back to the proper life that I have created sustained and it's the best life you can live that you can live it according to my word you will live it to the fullest you deviate from it you're going to destroy this life that I've created and given you as a gift that's the reason for the laws of God it's not to show how mean he is or how powerful he is or that he's in charge it's just that he wants us to have the best life he's the creator of it he knows how it should be lived and he knows how it should end and therefore he gives us guidance. So we speak of God as a God who's creator, relational, covenantal, and a guiding 
God. But we also speak a lot about Jesus, uh, starting uh, with Advent, the season of Advent. We speak about the incarnation of Jesus. We speak of the miracles of Jesus, the healings, the teachings of Jesus. We look at them. We dissect them. I teach you because we want to live by the Word of God. We speak about Jesus' servant leadership, how he formed the church and all of that. We speak about the death and resurrection of Jesus. We speak about his ascension and second coming. I mean, we spend a year talking about Jesus uh, a great deal of the time, and I, I focus much of my preaching and teaching uh, from the New Testament and primarily the Gospels. And then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we know that the Holy Spirit is a, uh, a sanctifier. He sanctifies us. And I spent a lot of time last week, and, and one of the things I said last week that is an amazing thing to me, for those of you that were not here, and I encourage you to go to the website and hear it, it is amazing that God chooses to live inside of us. Divinity lives in you. It is God's will that His Holy God, divine spirit finds habitation within my members. That he lives in me. Not, not symbolically, but very really. The spirit of God dwells in us. Thus Paul calls us the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we speak of the Holy Spirit as sanctifier, transformer. Because he transforms us all. I mean, who of us has not been transformed? By the word and by the spirit. I mean from what we were to what we are and what we yet shall be. It's all in the Lord's hands. We look forward to the full work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds and lives. As he continues the work of forming in us something that we cannot form ourselves. And we speak of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We speak about gifts and we teach you about the gifts. Not only in church but outside of church and so on. And we speak about the illumination of the word. Because he who created the word, he who inspired the word, still illumines us to understand the word. And we still need to seek, every time we read the Bible, we need to say, Holy Spirit, you inspired it, so inspire it in me again. Let me understand it. When I read it, make it alive for me. Let me, let me get into the word and let the word get into me. I read and I have it written in my Bible somewhere. I know where. But I, I, I read some place. It says, either the word will keep you from the world or the world will keep you from the word. Okay? I want to be in the word, not in the world. Okay? And so I need the illumination of the Holy Spirit. But those are things we talk about all through the year. Uh, today, the focus is to bring it together. Bring together the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and talk about the unity within the Godhead. Uh, and, and let me begin uh, clearly and, 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 and strongly that we believe the whole Bible to be the Word of God. We don't pick and choose which page we want or what uh, uh, book we want or what writer we want or which of the Gospels we want or whether we are New Testament people versus Old Testament people. We are Word of God people. The whole Bible. And no part of it can be denied by us who believe. And one of the first things we know about God, not because we invented it, but because God revealed Himself such... Is in what's called in, in, in the, the Jewish people call it the Shema. 
The Shema is Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. And, and maybe up to verse 7, but in primarily verse 4. It is the creed of Judaism. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Meaning there's no other, but also meaning that it is a unit. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And that's where we need to begin. We have one God. We don't have multiple gods. We have but one God who has revealed himself and manifested himself in numerous ways throughout history like no other so-called God has been able to manifest himself. We know one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. So we begin there. We begin with the idea that God is one. There is one God. And of course, throughout the Old Testament, we, we go uh, scripture after scripture that speaks about God. And God said, and thus says the Lord, and God showed up, and God sent this, and that kind of thing. But then when, when we come to the New Testament, we find the same revelation. But we now find in John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that too is revelation and undeniable. The word for word is the old Greek term logos, which makes reference to the mind of God, the presence of God. And the, the thing is that in verse 14 it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the reference is to Jesus Christ. So undeniably, John is affirming that in the beginning, which beginning? The beginning of all beginnings when nothing was nothing. At the beginning of everything, if there ever was, the Word already was co-eternal in the Father, with the Father. And in fact it says that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And that also has to be dealt with. We know here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And here comes Jesus being revealed as God. And not only in this passage, but in other passages throughout the New Testament. Example, one that blesses me all the time. When Jesus was arguing with the Jewish people, with, or the Jewish leaders about who he was, he says to them, because they keep saying to, to Jesus, uh, Abraham our father. And Jesus just says to them, before Abraham was, I am. Now, that's not even proper English, is it? It would have been before Abraham was, I was. Or I was before Abraham. Yet that's not what Jesus said. What Jesus said is before Abraham was, I am. What does that mean? Well, you need to understand that I am is the name for God. Jehovah. 
When God at the burning bush, when Moses said at the burning bush, what is your name? What shall I say send me? Or who shall I say send me? God said to Moses, I am that I am. Tell them that I send them. I am the beginning and the end. There is no, there's no past, present, or future. I am always present. I am, always I am. I am the eternal one without beginning, without end. I am always I am. And so Jesus says before Abraham was I am, Jesus was clearly saying he was God. He was one with the Father. And of course if you keep reading, they take stones to stone him because they clearly understood what he was saying and they were claiming he was blaspheming. So they were going to kill him. So Jesus repeatedly himself uh, indicates that he is God. But what about the Holy Spirit? Well, there's one passage that couldn't be clearer. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 17, St. Paul writes and he says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. Not the Lord is Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is... There is liberty. And of course we know the Holy Spirit to be the very spirit of the living almighty God. So the scripture reveals on one end God is one. And on the other end it reveals that Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And so we have a dilemma. How do we understand this? Is, are there three gods? Impossible. It goes against the Hebrew revelation. There's one God. Do we have one God? Only the Father seated on a throne somewhere and Jesus is not? No, because that also goes against revelation. Now let me give you a little bit and quick history lesson. The church has often had to deal with a number of heresies. Some of the enemies of the church have been from outside, throughout. Either the Jews at first, then the Romans, and the Greeks were enemies of the Christians, and, and they have faced many enemies all through history. But some of the enemies of the church, or some of the, the, the people that became enemies of the church, also came from inside the church. Uh, because I got to tell you, Heretics did not start by saying, I'm going to be a heretic. <laughs> None of them did. The intention was not, oh, I'm going to find delight in teaching against the truth. That was not at all the intention of the, those that today we call heretics. A lot of them were priests like me. Who were eager and zealous for the Lord. But who understood some things differently than the norm of scripture. And one thing to remember. Jesus did not leave behind several volumes of doctrine. So that the church could understand what he meant and what he was leaving behind. Jesus left no writings whatsoever other than the living word. And, and the oral word. The church has had to discover who it is. And and. and who the Lord is and how do we understand the Lord it needs to discover it through time through struggle and if there's one thing we owe the heretics is they made us think out what is it we believe 
Because no one learns more than when you have to defend the faith. I've never learned more than when I've had to sit down with friends who believe in other things and I have to explain to them why is God real? Why is this the way it is? I learn more that way. Well, to make a long story short, there was a priest in Alexandria, Alexandria in Egypt, northern part of Egypt, one of the centers of Christianity, uh, and uh, his name was Arius. Arius was a priest, he, he was zealous for the Lord, uh, but he attempted to, to, pre, to uh, preserve so much the unity of God that he began to ignore some of the other revelations. And he was, and I could teach you a whole day on this and maybe more, so I'm going to be brief. But he, he, he was also kind of a composer of songs and jingles, like we, don't, we know jingles, and some of those jingles can't get out of your head. You know how it is? Uh, they can't get out of your head. And so he composed a jingle that, of course, we don't know how the music went or, or how the, the words were, when, but it was something like this. Jesus, there was a time he was not, and God created him, and, and he composed this jingle to say that there was a time Jesus was not, in other words, he was not eternal, and he was created at some point. And he got catchy, and people were singing it, and it became kind of a joke in the, in the church, and even the outside of the church, and people were singing this, this little jingle to where the bishop had to come to him. Alexander, I believe, was his name. He comes to him and corrects him and says to him, let's look at scripture. That is not the doctrine of the church about Jesus and this and that. Well, he fights his bishop. See, the problem with heretics, so-called heretics today, is not that they started wrong, it's that they ended wrong. They became so hard-headed at times that they would not accept correction. They so believed what they wanted to believe that they would not accept somebody else, especially their bishop, coming and telling them that they were wrong in the way that they were interpreting scripture. And of course, Arius uh, gets separated from the church. He starts writing to all his bishops and collects a large group of people, especially in the East, that are come to his aid. Claiming that there was a time Jesus was not. Alexander writes to other groups of bishops, and now we have kind of a church that is split, kind of between East and West, over this thing. Was Jesus eternal? Was he created? What did he have a beginning? And if he has a beginning, then he's not God, and all of these things, and the church is kind of split. Constantine has become the emperor, and Constantine decides that he's not going to let his newfound religion becomes a Christian and, and, and the Christian religion becomes the, 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 the religion of the empire. He says, I'm not going to let this fight between these people divide my, my empire. So he calls what we know today as the Nicene Council or the Council of Nicaea. And then we all get put together and fought and argued and all of those things. 
And at the end of the council, it becomes the agreement, which is where we get, in a way, the council, the uh, nice read, though more of it was elaborate, elaborated later on. But there comes the idea that Arius is wrong. And there is where young deacon Athanasius comes to the aid of his bishop Alexander. And it is Athanasius that is credited with the idea that the only way to understand and put together the revelation of scripture that God is one and yet Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit is God is to understand that the Godhead or divinity what makes God God divine okay what makes God God is one there is no other God but within that Godhead or within that economy of God there exists the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit which all share the identical same nature or being or substance or what I call today they share their same DNA that's my term, not a biblical term or a doctrinal term. They share the same DNA, the same substance, the same divinity. They are one God in substance, in only one divine being. Yet each of them are individual, one from the other. So that God is not the Son, the Son is not God. There was another heresy, which I'll throw in real quick, which was called moralism. Moralism was an early heresy that said that God sometimes was in heaven, and then he became Jesus, and after that he became the Holy Spirit, and he just changed modes. That was thrown out really fast. Okay, why? Because Jesus, when he prays, he's not praying to himself. He prays to his Father. And he talks to his father as if his father is someone older than himself. So we know by revelation of scripture that the father, the son, and the spirit are three individual persons. But they uniquely share in the same divine essence or the same divine DNA or the same divine being. What makes God God divine is shared by of them. I'm trying to make something difficult as easy as, as I can give it to you. Because the Trinity, after all it's been explained, is still a mystery of how it can be. But it is true to the revelation of Scripture that God is one in three persons. I created a diagram I want you to see. Go to the next slide. I created that for you. Or at least I created it there. I, that I, it's unique mine. But an equilateral triangle is the symbol or symbolically it's been represented as God. An equilateral triangle where all three angles are the same. There is one God, the Father is the same divine being as the Son, as the Spirit. They are equal. In the head, they are one God. And then the yellow circle 
explain to you that the Father is not the Son, that the Son is not the Spirit, and that the Spirit is not the Father. They are three individual distinct beings, yet all three share the same divine essence. The same divine essence. What is that essence? We share one essence. What is that called? Humanity. We all may look different, but we are all human. We all have the basic thing that makes a human being a human being that an animal does not share with us. One of them primarily is the ability to reason and to decide and all of those things. But there are multiples of us. In God, there's only three. Only three that share their essence. What is that essence? Then. So the Son is God, the Spirit is God, the Father is God, and you have only one God, only one divine being that we call or address as God. Now, as far as we're concerned, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all worshipped the same. As far as they are concerned within their relationship, the Father is the Father, there's a hierarchy among them. The Son proceeds from the Father, and the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. And I don't want to complicate this too, too much, but I want that at least today, as we celebrate Trinity Sunday, that you understand against those that might accuse us of having three gods, we do not have three gods. We have one God with one divine essence in three different and distinct persons, but who share the same godness, we call it godness, divinity, essence, being. And as I said at the, at the beginning of the sermon, it is the Catholic faith, the universal faith of the church, that you do not believe in the Holy Trinity, the triunions of God, the divinity of Jesus, you are really not a Christian, at least not part of the Catholicity of the church. You are outside, even if you claim to be a Christian, you are not, if the Trinity is not part of your doctrine. Did I explain everything to you? I did the best I could. Is there mystery in it? Hey, I don't even know the totality of all of this until I go to be with the Father. But one thing I can tell you, that's the only way the church has been able to make sense of the whole revelation of Scripture. That God is one, yet Jesus is God. We don't have to be gods. That's the only way to make sense of the revelation of God. Three distinct persons, one divine essence shared by all three of them. One God in three persons. Amen? Amen? Now, when we say the creed, and we're going to say it next, one of the things that we normally make a mistake on in saying the creed is we say, I believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, and we, in our minds, we think we're saying that the Father is God. What we're actually saying is, we believe in one God, Father, the Almighty. And then I believe in 
upon the Lord Jesus, who is also God, and later I believe in the Holy Spirit, which is also God. So the first statement is just simply, I believe in one God. And if you were to stop there, that's the whole creed. Now you need to cut it down into pieces so that you fully understand what is it that you as a Christian believe in. Amen? Now, if any of you have more questions, I'm available to you. Call my office, talk to me in the parish hall, but unfortunately, I can't give you more now. <laughs> if you have questions, sit down with me. Let's talk about it. Let's look at the revelation of the Word of God. And let's understand what God has chosen that we know about Him. Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Father is God. There are three individual separate beings or, or persons, but one essential or in essence.